So what's it like uh, growing up, living, playing music in Champaign, Illinois, where you're from? This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box Studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking to Tim McGee of Primitive Lights, but you may also know him from such bands as The Chemicals, The Falbonauts, The Fights, Morgan Orion, Neoga Blacksmith, Our Landmark, Primitive Lights, which is the band we're listening to, of course, uh, the Rebecca Songer Band, and The Televangelists. Um, we're also sitting down to enjoy his favorite thing, which is the Sydney Dairy Barn <laughs> vanilla ice cream. And uh, so, I mean, I guess without further ado, I'm going to say hi to Tim McGee. Well, hello. Well, thanks for coming out. I'm going to be listening to your song Funeral Attire off the album Primitive Lights. I guess without further ado, we're just going to give a listen to the song. All right.
yeah. All right. Well, that was the song, Funeral Attire. So, um, I don't know. Did you have any opening remarks that you wanted to make or like, um, where I could just kind of launch into, you know, the song and ask, start asking some questions and I think we are extremely, extremely lucky to have Clayton Deering amongst us in our community. So oh, yeah. coffee and what serving us coffee whatever he, whatever he is doing for the masses oh yeah such a beautiful person to have i do yeah i do i do love that part in the beginning where it's just like it's it's he builds like such anticipation because you're like come on hit that note hit that come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. and then like boom then it goes right into the into the little shuffle um but yeah i do we i think um, we took a bit of a moment to talk about kind of how uh, Clayton has, I guess, managed to capture kind of a, in any song that he plays uh, slide on or lap steel or whatever. Um, he captures kind of that the soul of the piece or, or he makes you really want to love the song. You know, I, th- I think anytime I hear lap steel in a song, I think every song should have lap steel or pull pedal steel. I mean, oh, yeah, Clayton's yeah. playing pedal steel, but yeah, slide in yeah, that, that in yeah. that style. Regardless, I, I, yeah, it's yeah. hard to get away from it once it's there. Oh yeah, well, and, and uh, on episode five, I talked to Sean Newman, and uh, he's talking about the song Baby Steps, where it's just an acoustic, and then they just threw in uh, like pedal steel and it was like oh hey like <laughs> you wouldn't have thought um like his style doesn't always hit me as something that would have that kind of influence but he was a huge he was a huge fights fan like, oh yeah he was a champion of the fights and that that era which seems like it was a long time ago now but oh yeah uh god rest the fights <laughs> <laughs> anyway i guess we should get back to the song but um so so if you uh, i'm trying to i tried to interpret this um at least put it through my lens and i was trying to interpret it um using my brain but trying to imagine it through your eyes so i tried to imagine was it is it is it talking about going out on the town with you know, someone you were having a relationship with, or was it when you actually, you know, get yourself up on stage and perform in front of people? And I'm sure, I'm sure both of those are wrong, but I was like, you know, both of those work. I'm sorry. I'm not going to back down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I meant to, uh, really dive into these lyrics and try to figure out what I was thinking. Uh, when I did, I, I think it's more literal, maybe. I, the bullshit smells sweeter out on the town. I think it's a distraction. Being out on the town is a distraction from... I don't want to say it's depression. I don't know. It's this weird... Like... Lonely... Uh, well, certainly getting out and being seen is, is certainly something that, uh, you know, is you know, you're no longer in solitude, so... Right, well, I mean, there's yeah. a... If you go out enough, there, it feels like f- your community is out at the bars, I think, but <laughs> your family maybe sometimes too, depending. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, was there a, a particular event that precipitated this uh, this song, or did it just kind of come to you in pieces, or...? Uh, yeah... It all kind of came once I once it a structure I had a structure. It all kind of came quickly, um, but it really wasn't because of any. It was just like more of a feeling I had, and then it turns into a love song kind of at the end. But I don't know. It's just all these different things that were going through my head at the time. So it sounds like this one's was uh, written. I want to say you know by chords first. That kind of structure th- first, or did you, and then you filled in with the words? Yeah, I, th- I'm, I think I had the song progression first. Yeah, and that's usually how I do things. It's Words are always hard huh. um, for me. And I've, I don't know, 
I have so many different fragments of songs music wise that sometimes and I guess I have lyrics kind of that way too where all of a sudden one will work and then it's like you kind of build from there out this one I think was kind of like that let's see well I I have to say uh this is the first time that someone was indecisive about which song they wanted to talk about as their favorite and i'm thinking you know maybe the freshness of the ep they're they're all your children and they feel this is a younger child of mine uh, compared to the others i think lyrically this one wasn't uh i didn't find it as like meaningful to me but after we recorded and then clayton did his part then it became like a lot more powerful to me as an experience listening to my own music which is always kind of painful right but clayton almost made it like me able made me feel somewhat detached enough to listen to it and enjoy it more so i think because of his pedal steel well and also would you say that when you get to take a song in kind of its most uh, simplest form and then bring it to a band and have them kind of give birth to a whole new creature that you can kind of see that creature with new eyes right. or new ears yeah. so to speak i do think it's interesting these the, the the phrases you have it's like if i have if i say one word tonight if i take one drink tonight um if i wear a dead man's shirt tonight i like the repetition or at least kind of the recall as it mm-hmm. is i i was just noticing that and then actually since we're here i might as well say like so who is the dead man and whose shirt is it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i most of my shirts are dead men shirts i would assume i don't know I, most of the shit i wear i get from thrift stores or oh goodwill or whatever in reference to purchasing a shirt <laughs> yeah. from yeah gotcha gotcha Taking all the mystery away no, that's I mean, all right. I guess, I guess it, it began as a love song. When you're in a relationship for so long, what's the one word going to do? Like, is it going to... Or I mean, I guess it's that it's that way in any relationship or in right. a new or like, how are my words going to be taken? Well, especially if you don't know each other very well oh, and right. like, you don't know that this is how I say things. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then everything else just kind of fit in. I mean... And so do you see this as a... As a love song in a way or yeah i'd say it's it's a love song i i love i want to say like the pauses in this song Eh, let's take a let's take a minute to think about what was just said (laughs) and let's reflect upon it and then when we really take that long pause let's do a chord that is is more of that jazzy or blues chord that it's very unresolved sounding at least, mm-hmm. I mean, depending on what, what lens you look at it, if, if you're looking at it from like standard music, it's it's almost false cadency kind of feel where it's like it's building to something and then it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily resolve. And then it's like, oh, let's just start back over again. That's what I, every time I hear that like pause and then once again, kind of like either the chords and then Clayton kind of sliding into this like seventh, sixth, whatever chord that makes it feel suspended and like huh mm-hmm. and then pause and then oh let's just start back over and let's do it again it was a hard yeah. song the pauses made it a hard song to record with the band i it was hard i because i knew when i wrote the song i write all my songs on acoustic guitar so it was but i knew i had a band that i could do this with all those guys are really really good and it's so much fun to, to have and like they're all different now i mean it's not the same band anymore right. than it was that we recorded with but to have people you can bring like i can bring one of my easy little bullshit songs and be like what do you want to do? But we're keeping this, this, and this. And I remember, well, there was a lot of like concern that we were killing momentum with all the pauses, but I feel like the end is like the payoff for those pauses. And then like each time it pauses, it like builds again before it like pauses and you have to build again. But well, yeah, you almost have the, I want to say you almost have an instrumental fourth verse at the end. Right. Right. And And it like just moves along and then it doesn't hit that like i wanted to say sour note but it's not sour note it's just like the the suspended like eh? i don't even know it what doesn't really have that, that is, but right? it's like a um but it it resolves it certainly resolves so but yeah i would say that the energy is maintained and and yeah definitely with the pauses that you do run a risk of like starting again faster or starting again slower and then it loses Either it just burns out or it just never gets started back up again. You're, the, the cavalcade of people that played on this uh, EP, 
Oh my gosh, have I had too many of these? I think, <laughs> these I think the mixture of the ice cream and the beer Oof. is kind of uh, getting on top of me too. I don't it, know if it's getting into the blood quicker <laughs> or what. Is it sugar and alcohol, what can you do? Oh my goodness. So, for those uh, listeners, uh, we are enjoying uh, some stout, some coffee stout, and uh, have uh, made, I want to say, yeah. <laughs> it's and have cheese. made like uh, black cows with the Sydney Dairy Barn uh, scoops of vanilla ice cream and just drop them into the stout. And if that sounds gross to you, you should probably just try it and then decide that that's a good thing because it's, it's quite tasty because it's very chocolatey and coffee and very um, milkshakey. Anyway, this concludes our advertisement for... Uh, beer and <laughs> ice cream. Dairy bar. Beer and ice cream brought together at last. So, yeah, for some reason it seems to be hitting. Hitting. I. I think I've only had. I only had that stout. These must be high octane to be. Maybe. With. Maybe. Typically, you do write out the music first mm. with mm. on the guitar. And then you kind of come up with the melody after that, and then you put the lyric. You know, Every song in. is different. They're, like there, there's another um, Skeleton, another song on this EP. I woke up and had the first verse in my head, and kind of like knew it was going to be a country song, and it would go this way. This one wasn't like that, and that never happens. I have realized a couple times I'll wake up with lyrics, like a song kind of partially formed uh-huh. in my head, and that I have to write them down like immediately and kind of hum some kind of progression into my phone gotcha <laughs> I can. oh yeah uh and that never happens but it, it's happened once or twice but with this one uh, you know i can't remember i had like some sort of a, prog- a song progression and then it was like well this kind of sounds cool and then i'll play with whatever musical parts i have over and over and over and over before i put any words to it mainly because i want to make sure i'm still interested in it i think after playing it for a while what would you say is the percentage of songs that you start writing and then you get bored with um like 50 percent probably uh, and, and i mean i think and they've come back after a while like same chord progressions but you're like oh i usually i try to record almost everything that i do on my phone when it hits yeah. if i'm just sitting around playing at night or whatever if i come up uh-huh. with some kind of a, a groove or a, a hook or something i'll just try to record it and then later revisit them but then it's gotten to the point where there's so many matt wade was talking about that in yoga practice the other night he's got a little looper pedal that he'll record little things and then record over them and he's gotten to the point where it's all filled up so he has to go back and delete stuff. And then when you go back to delete stuff, you oh, discover no. these gems. Oh, my problem is I would be like, oh, yeah, how did I do that? <laughs> yeah, like, right. What's well, going on there? Capo on something or whatever. But Right. Uh, yeah. That's kind of, I mean, and that when that happens too, it's almost exciting trying to, it becomes new to you again because you have to figure out what you did. And it usually isn't the same when you figure it out. Usually something is different than right. the original time. Right. Yeah. If that makes any sense, I guess. No, I, I, I know what you mean when you're you're like, oh, yeah, how did I do that? And then you start trying to do it. Oh, it's like uncovering this new treasure that you didn't know that you even had. <laughs> right. Isn't that nice having a backlog of, of episodes now that you can go back and say, well, yes, this is it. It's, yeah, it's actually, feel good. it's nice to be able to refer back to things. But then again, I also, there's a certain false confidence that I have to have because I'm like, wait, was, that was episode two, right? When I said that, that was episode two. Yeah, it was. Okay, good. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and, and then I worry about actually saying the person's name wrong again and be like, but yeah, it, it's it's nice to have seen how this has grown since June. And, uh, yeah, you know, you get like to be episode long. 10 out of, Oh, you know, wow. Yeah. A milestone. So, Yes, you get, yes, the milestone. There it is. <laughs> I'm going to get out my funeral attire for that. Yeah. Is that how, the, yeah, so how does that title come across? I mean, how did, I, how did that, how did you come up with that title? You, I don't know. Usually I don't, there's nothing, I usually don't have any idea what I'm going to call anything until I have to have something, a name. Oh. I, I think that comes from the, probably the dead man shirt yeah they can't all be untitled one two three four right. five well i kind of think about it in terms of like what what i would think funeral attire would be it's always like this you know black goes with everything and being dressed well is usually what you want to do at a funeral and well usually you know. when you're uh, when i go to a funeral i'm wearing clothes that i never wear unless i'm going to a funeral hmm. so then you almost feel kind of special in that regard because am i going out on the town in funeral attire in this song 
perhaps. I wanted to ask about uh, what did you, how did you decide, like just before you do sing the If I Wear a Dead Man's Shirt Tonight, there's the, I'm going to call it, for lack of a better term, the interlude. And uh, there's a great solo in there. And I think in our in our conversation off, off cast, um, you said that uh, Brad threw that together or whatever did the did that solo yeah that's that's a pretty sweet solo yeah um in the dead of night <laughs> now he recorded that one on his own so i don't know how it came i don't know any oh, particulars on oh. that. we recorded uh the basic bones for this song in the garage at neoga headquarters brad and i kind of well everything else was kind of like pieced together and did various locations i did my guitar part at, in my apartment brad did his in his apartment after we had clayton record pedal steel in his house i i just don't know how people can just pass around a, an album album so to speak like just all the different parts it was getting so recorded. much fun uh, i mean as long as that's fun i would find that as as somebody who's produced before it's i would find that really stressful but that's just <laughs> that's just me from a practical standpoint you get a little something different maybe i don't know and it's like yeah it's dangerous like i've never i've recorded my own demos and and bullshit like that but i've never like really recorded anything that i thought was anybody was going to listen to yeah no one listens to anything on soundcloud i'm afraid well, I, that that almost sounds like uh what is it it, it, kind of a pen pal kind of thing where it's like you've passed it on and, and yeah. like oh, Brad yeah. Brad will go ahead and add his part to it and send it back to you I mean how how is that well, like I, I would think that that would be just kind of amazing like it's like somebody having a conversation with you without you being in the room right like well, they're we, returning yeah. they're returning this new information based upon stuff that you generated in terms of music i'm just thinking yeah. like that no, would be I mean, magical almost maybe you know? maybe we all should have been terrified but I, we'd played this song together so many times brad pretty much knew what he was gonna do i knew what he was gonna do but i mean like having those guys playing with those guys i feel like i don't I don't worry about what mm. they're going to do. Brad's incredible. He's got yeah. a, a really good ear and he's like got such a unique style. And after Clayton did his part, I think Brad was inspired to go home and like do a different, he did a different part than he had been. And then we kind of like pieced it together. I, I think I'd solo at the end of that, but. And then after the solo, is that, is that ooh, all you? Or did you? I think, add, it's, and then I think it's three. It's three me's. Now, did you know what you were gonna do with that, or did you just say like, "I'm just gonna kind of wing it"? Because it's for some reason that one sticks out to me as like this really. It hits me as improvisational, but I don't know if that's exactly what it is. You know, no, like, I, it was all planned. I think I'd been listening to a lot of Father John Misty, and he has a lot of ooze. Gotcha. And uh, well, I mean, it fits. I just, I was just really curious about what the, yeah, it's, the it, process in terms of how you wanted to do it and when you were going to move. And I don't remember why that came up, but it was, it was different. And I was trying to do something different other than just like my monotone, rhythmic, boring voice. I wanted to yeah. kind of try to give it a little bit something else. And I don't know, falsetto was kind of a a gamble is there any particular like lyrics that like stand out to you as uh this that's what this song is really about i, you know, I like, really like how the bullshit smells sweeter and that kind of goes and that my partner jess is responsible for that line i was saying the uh bullshit smells better or something like that and she's like i think it's sweeter and she works in the culinary industry and i think that yeah. symbolism really resonated with her as being cooler i guess yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's a love song. And I think too, it, a lot of people that I know, and maybe it's just because I've been mostly hanging out recently with m people who are creating music, not necessarily concerning themselves as musicians, but there's a lot of people that I know that are in their thirties, early thirties, mid thirties, late thirties that are really just unsatisfied with society and with, with not like life. I mean, there's no sense of real like purpose. I feel like with a lot of people that I am am around. Gotcha. And that was kind of like, the bullshit smells sweeter. It's not better, but it can be perceived as better to yeah. oneself. To out the bars with friends or like, well, yeah. like the last, the bullshit smells sweeter underground. The bullshit smells better when you're dead is almost... Yeah. But obviously I don't believe that because I don't want to die, but... But it also smells sweeter with you yeah, yeah. around. Yeah, definitely. That definitely is true. <laughs> kind of that I can put up with anything as long as right, you're here. Right. Yeah, yeah. As long as I didn't burn down the pyre with the one 
misspoken word. Yes. And I like I like your uh, local recall there with the uh, the boneyard. <laughs> yeah. When I drained the boneyard dry. You did a few some multi some multi-tracking there with your voice. Mm-hmm. I think it really stands out when it's the will it fill your mind with sin set your soul afire cuz you, you're like the the attack on on your multiple voices are, are kind of hitting the word soul of fire like at little different mm-hmm. times a little bit so it it kind of falls apart there you know like it's I think it's I, that insecurity kind of, to me it feels right, like that insecurity right. that you're talking about what if i say one word tonight you know like will it set your mind with sin or set your soul of fire you know that kind of thing but uh that that's the part where it seems like uh you're you're your words are ma- your words and lyrics and and the way that you're singing is delivery is de- yeah delivery yes that's a great oh perfect it, it sets sets the tone very very well in terms of what that insecurity or even like expectation about saying that one word but anyway i don't know i i think that's i'm really excited to see what else primitive lights kind of comes up with and yeah, me, are, me are you too. looking for an lp to add to that ep i would have liked this one to have been an lp but with dave leaving and then eric leaving mm. it seemed like it was just kind of the end of an era and maybe good to just wrap this all up in one little package and then see what happens Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. What next, Sven? What next? That's always a good question. What uh, world problems are we going to solve? No, the only world problem is we're going to just talk about the Champaign-Urbana music scene. So I don't we're just think gonna... we can solve that problem, Sven. Oh, well, I mean, if you're going to start off with that tone, I'm going to say, are you, uh, <laughs> are you pro or con? No. Um, I'm pro. Of course I'm pro. Well, but I mean, uh, I guess, I, what, it, what do I'm you... I'm disappointed. Gotcha. At, um, and I don't know what I'm disappointed at other than the fact that there don't seem to be many places to play anymore. The DIY scene seems to be picking up quite a bit, but I don't know if that's necessarily as, as open um, to like the, the country music scene or even like the... I don't know. I just think that it's different in some ways. I mean, I look at... I, I mean... Granted, I, I think the Hogshoot Opry is a um, a dead-on, completely professional, amazing scene, and it doesn't. There's like no illusion in terms of what you're going to get when you get there, because I feel like it's exactly what you expect it to be, and it's um, no. I mean, it's beautiful, and I absolutely love it. But it is definitely founded on like the heart of a DIY scene. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. definitely DIY. Yeah. And, um, nobody's making money, but it's more, uh, but it's definitely, you know, grown. And I like to see that it's, it's, it's providing venues. It's providing, uh, avenues for more singer songwriters and, um, and people to come out and see each other play. And, uh, it, I, I just wish there were more of, that type of thing because i feel like that's a good 
always a good vibe and always a good feeling so i feel like that's the way music is gonna have to go live music like original live music is gonna have to be embraced by people who know they're not gonna get anything out of it other than just satisfaction of doing it because yeah when we sit down to talk about this and do this the excitement comes from knowing what it's gonna be knowing what brad created out of a need well, I shouldn't. I'm not going to talk for Brad. You need to have Brad in here to talk well, for I know. Brad. But Brad's Brad's going to be in at some point. But he, yeah, he was looking for a place where he could bring in people that didn't feel welcome hmm. in a particular scene and have people get weird in a little barn in the That's woods. That's right. Yeah. And it seems like it gets a little bit weirder every time. I almost feel like can we focus a little bit on like the uh the loose cobra like as as a venue like cropping up with you know just being now that that place has been one of those i mean it granted you're not getting the variety of many different venues, but you have one venue that is very open right to anything i mean. What I don't know what I haven't seen there musically, you know. I mean, granted, there are still plenty of musical styles that could go there, but it's run the gamut, you know. We've, we've had hip hop, yeah. We've had oh, that's what I was gonna death say. metal. We've, I mean, the whole metal genre in there, and uh, singer songwriter, and you know, I, even yeah. some noise and like, I mean, yeah, jazz ish. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. A, Matt's a lover of music. I'm going to switch to Matt Talbot now. Have yeah. you seen the YouTube video of Hum on 120 Minutes talking to... Uh, no. Oh, what's that guy's name? Is it Matt Pinfield? <coughs> Talbot goes into... They're asking about, so what's it like uh, growing up, living, playing music in Champaign, Illinois, where you're from? And uh-huh. Matt talks about how he was just starting to record other artists local original artists and like build this community and this network and all this stuff and then Uh it's interesting to watch that now what 20 years fucking 20 years later or something right and he's still doing it more so maybe now than he i mean with the bar he at least has he has a venue now for people you should watch that it is hilarious he's wearing a chicken costume a chicken oh i bet (laughs) And Tim Lash is wearing like a, uh, is it a bunny? Co- he's playing with the ears the whole time. But Oh my gosh. I Yeah, I do need to. It's really it, good. It, I will find that video and I will post that because we're talking you. about it. But yeah, definitely mix that in with the, uh, oh my goodness. That's funny. I, I really want it. Now that he's doing so, the solo gigs, I, I really want him to do one of his originals and talk about that. And yeah. All that, but. Yeah, you should get him maybe here. season finale. Who knows? I don't know, but I wonder. He's. I hope I, it'll be interesting to see tonight if he's more comfortable performing in front of an yeah. audience. And well, and let's uh, speaking of like performing uh, or sorry in front of an audience. Um, the few times that I've seen him actually perform are the second Sunday singer songwriter, and he'll come up and he'll do a couple of songs. Are you actually part of the? Do you organize that, or is that all Brad as well? Or <laughs> that was more Cole and me. There was a place in um, Gifford where something similar was going on. Greg Lotion, he's been in a handful of bands. Um, he was hosting something similar in Gifford, and Tim Trailer was going up, and there were just like random people there. Justin G from Chemicals in Our Landmark would play sometimes acoustic, which is you never see that. Right. But going up there, it was this little bar in this little town, and this was going on. And Tim would get up and play for thirty minutes because the bartenders, wow. everybody loved him. And uh, that ended up dying. And Cole and I were talking about doing something around here just to get people to go and be around people that they aren't normally around maybe, or which doesn't seem to happen. It seems like with the Sunday thing in Tolono. It's yeah. But like, I love it because of, because of what it is, is I love that, that you're around people that you're comfortable with and you right. can actually like workshop some things. Right. And, well, yeah, it's, it's great for the people to go, but I feel like if you're new and fresh to it, going there uh, the, a guy got up and played who i'd never even seen before and played a couple like rockabilly songs oh yeah he was l- the last one to play Shoot. and they were really good and yeah uh, i remember 
yeah, he was in some band that had played like five years ago or something that I'd never even heard of, which oh. was really interesting. And he got up and did it and he was kind of nervous, but he kind of overcame it. And yeah, he, t- he had like that, that one shakeout song at f- the first one that was a little tremulous, should I say? And then like, then he got into it and I think he was pretty comfortable. I don't know. And maybe the more we do it, the more that happens. But yeah. Cole brought the idea up to, to Talbot. Um, and he, of course, like he jumped on it, said, this is exactly what I want my bar to be for or something like this, where it's creative and community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we bring, yeah. we bring food. <laughs> and, yeah. One of these days I'll, I'll actually be able to bring something. <laughs> I just came from Rebecca Songer practice and Rebecca is the sweetest. Like she's so happy to have people in her house playing her music. She'll, she has food. Usually she has like beer or wine or liquor or water or whatever you milk or like anything. Uh-huh. She's yep. so happy to make you comfortable. It's it's rare, but it's nice when that happens. I, I, I actually, I, I think that there are a few people in this town that have a really unique ability. Sorry, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sing the praises of Songer. I've just noticed as she's gained confidence, like some of the the songs that she's writing are uniquely personal and like that you don't necessarily think that they're going to be very personal. And then you're like, oh. Well, if you're listening to the music, sometimes it's hard to catch how dark and personal the particular song may be. She's the shining light of the Sunday Tolona things too, because when she first played, she was playing all covers, and now she has like five or six originals that she's like confident with. Yeah. they're badass but it, it's neat to see that she's grown into her you know into her own style her own songwriting yeah there is that tendency like you could be a very talented uh, musician and writer but you fall back on the covers because they're comfortable and then you don't you can say whatever crazy shit you want and it's not necessarily reflective of you right and because you're like, no, 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 these are someone else's words. Right, these are someone else's, right. you know, music. And I'm just doing it the way that they do it. But it, it, it's been really neat to see. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I had noticed, wow, she's really kind of just expanding and, you know, growing. And I think that's really neat to see. So it's what anyway, you, yeah, it's what you hope happens in the music community yeah, where nobody cares. Well, we're, yeah, yeah, uh, where it's hard to find an audience of people that aren't within the community kind of thing. If you're just tuning in, this is the Rebecca Songer fan hour. And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> anyway, I'm just teasing, but no, I wanted to give a shout out cause I've, I've really appreciated, um, her music lately and, you know, well, always, but more more so lately. What would you say, like, if, if there were other gripes you might have or, or things that you think could be improved in this Champaign-Urbana music scene? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm not in a position to really s- comment on a lot of things because... I am older and I don't go out and see shows. Like, I don't go to a lot of house shows anymore. Mm. I don't know. I don't feel like I have my finger on the pulse as well as I did 10 years ago when I wasn't playing music. But I was going to all every show that I could. Right. Now yeah. that I'm playing in music, that seems to be all that I do, which is what I want. But I don't know what's going on. Like, I don't know what all the house shows are, the venues are. I don't... And I want to. I wish I did. Um, I feel like things are so different now than they were when I first came back to town and I first started playing music. And... I, yeah, it's just, the venues are a big thing. Like Mike and Molly's obviously being gone is huge. Cowboy Monkey being more selective on what nights they, they have shows. Uh, right. I mean, Memphis on Main just closed and Penny Horse has played that place. Uh, I mean, that was like home. Oh, yeah. And a lot of that had to do with my cousin owning it at the time <laughs> and giving us opportunity, but he gave everybody hey. opportunities. You also played in the Penny Horses, in Penny Horses, which wasn't on the list. Did I not ask? Oh, uh, uh, no. But that's all right. I understand when you have hundreds and hundreds of bands that you played in. I've been in. lucky. No. I've been really lucky since I've been back to get to play with so many bands. And I, it's something I wanted to do since I was really little and never did. And yeah, I've been really lucky. Cool. I, w- I wanted to plug the Falbonauts. They have a, a, an album coming out on Friday, and it's Ooh. it's really brilliant and haunting and beautiful and creepy as shit. And that's another one of my favorite bands. Is that going to be on Bandcamp? And it is on or- Bandcamp now. 
Oh, okay. Uh, but they're releasing on vinyl. Oh, Friday, and the artwork's really cool too. I uh, have to get on that because well, it, you had me at vinyl though, but you know, it sounds so much better on vinyl. Then the album's called LSD and Heartbreak, which is also brilliant. <laughs> and I've been lucky enough to get to play bass with them recently, since all of their bass players have disappeared, much like Primitive Lights' bass players. But now Primitive Lights has Cole Rabinort, Rabinort oh, Cole Bridges. That nice. funky little man on bass. It seems to me that he actually, when when they played uh, Hogshoot, when they played for Christy Hayes and uh, Cole picked up the, the bass, he seemed oddly comfortable That's with it. That's his first instrument. Yeah. Is it really? So good. He's so good on bass. I did not know that. I thought, I, you know, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I'd never seen him even touch a bass before, so it was kind of a shock to me. You need to have Cole in here, too. Well, I know. (laughs) I know you know. Everybody, Um, yeah. I mean, I I, I literally do have a a list of tons of people that I've even asked. Years worth. And people that I haven't asked yet, but it's like, it's an an amazing problem to have, though. I'll tell you. (laughs) I have so many people that are really interesting that I can't wait to talk to and interview and just kind of rub elbows with and see what what kind of fires get started it's kind of cool that's the thing i don't know if that's a good metaphor but whatever i mean talking shit about the scene (laughs) that's something that i try to keep in perspective there's a through the hog shoot uh and through cole and and other fights members being from around st louis we've gotten become friends with some of the st louis scene like carol louise band and the manis brothers and there are others that i they're they're eluding me now but uh there's a documentary out called stl here and now i believe and um david manis is is interviewed in a little section of it and he says that they're talking about community within the music scene and and all of that and he says that any place where you can bring 10 local original bands together and people come just because it's happening like that is a beautiful successful thriving scene and we have we have more than that here oh easily in such a small area and i have to try to keep that in perspective (laughs) yeah well i i I think uh i think a lot of the the problems that we could cite about the champagne or panda music scene are are probably hopefully problems well hopefully not but problems world or like nationwide do you feel like well, yeah, but I also think maybe maybe part of the problem is it's not that there's like there's not too few venues, but maybe there's too much talent that wants to play all the time and so you have you have too many performers, not enough venues. Okay, so maybe that's my my silver lining on the cloud that that's I'm very, trying to put that on because it's nice like spin, yeah. It does seem like there's more and more bands out there and and performers out there than ever before, but maybe maybe that's just once again my perspective. It's it hard seems to know. Like that. Yeah. yeah. It's hard from for me to keep track of of what is really what or what is just what I'm perceiving. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Uh, what would you say is your favorite non-musical thing? I am totally obsessed with kombucha right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so, well, 
how did I should have that, brought you a bottle. I was going to bring you a bottle. Yeah. Well, you know, let's just put that on the I'll, on the to-do list. You you brought me the the physical copy of the Primitive yeah, Lights well, EP, which is which is to be consumed in a different manner. Yes. Yes, but <laughs> I I love it cuz having having like a physical copy of something, I don't know, that's just my generation completely cuz it's like I want something I can hold and Yeah. Well, yeah. So, how did you get into kombucha? I can't remember. No, I saw it article there was a website that i stumbled upon that had really um pretty colored pictures of and of this kombucha and it was very well written with you know what it is and what it does and how to make it and i think i quite quit drinking for a little while and it just seemed like a good distraction and i've been brewing it for a year now and it's getting really really good you mentioned mother like the, 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 is that, that's the yeast strain, correct? Or is it like, it, it's, it's called like a the... mother or a SCOBY, symbiotic mm. culture of bacteria and yeast. And where did you, did you, yours was passed on? I or? grew mine from a bottle of GT kombucha that I got. Oh. Strawberry okay. Fields, which I also thought was really cool. I could have gotten one. Um, I thought it just seemed like a challenge and something I knew nothing about. And it took forever. And I didn't. I thought I killed it. And I thought all this, all this, huh. everything had happened. But do you do you know if it's the same? It's not the same yeast strain that they use for like uh, sourdough, is it? I don't. That I don't know. Oh, okay. Because a while back, I uh, I heard that if. <laughs> I know some, uh, you know, microbiologists is probably like screaming their heads off if they're listening to this as I say this, but, uh, like on, you can actually get the yeast off of kale or some other leafy green that sometimes like that, like white haze in between the, the little leaflets, you can like scrape that and then culture it and turn it into a, for like a sourdough mm. to start to start the, I think that's also called a mother, isn't it? I don't I th- know. No, I think you're right. I think there's something else. But if it's a different, if it's different strain, you probably don't want to be messing around with that. But I was just curious if you had gotten it from some other like source or like it had been passed on from some other, I've other pa- people. I passed one on to Chris Davies. Oh, cool. And last time we talked about it, he had a thriving kombucha situation uh, going on in his homestead. Go ahead and just, I, I mean, give, give a brief layman's, how, how do you get it started? You have, okay, so with that first bottle I bought, uh, you take two cups of starter liquid and add it to a gallon of sweet tea. You take a gallon of water, a cup of sugar, heat it up, then let it cool down to room temperature, then add your bacteria to it and let that sit sealed well covered but not sealed oh right well you would probably put like a little bubbler. something that something like, that can breathe well i just put paper towel over the top put it over oh, all the okay. only thing you're really concerned about is like insects getting into it but when the mother forms it seals i mean it's the real purpose of the scoby or the mother is to seal off your its food source oh. so that nothing else gets in there so basically once that grows it seals itself off. Really? And I've had scobies, okay. the pressure, the carbonation that builds up has almost pushed the scoby out of the gallon jar because it's gotten so strong because usually it burps itself. But with oh. your scoby, my scoby was about three inches thick and it... Oh my. <laughs> and then do you, do you like, bef- before you, you just scoop out the scoby and then put it somewhere else? Just put it on a plate. And then just reuse it or whatever. And then or, take two cups off the top of, and then wow. save them and then start your tea again. And then you bottle what you've got left over three quarters of a gallon or whatever. So you just keep it in an endless going. cycle. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, there, you can also do it in a continuous manner where you can buy, I've got a two and a half gallon container that I just keep on the counter and it's got a little spigot on it. So you and just, then you drain just keep it, adding, drain it to wherever you want and then let it go. And it just, it continues to feed off the sugar or it'll go dormant. If it sits long enough, whatever you want to go again, you just add another gallon of sweet tea and then it immediately starts breaking down the sugar and the, the scoby grows again. And then it, oh, it so turns the, to vinegar if you let it sit too long. Oh, okay. I was going to say, cause you, yeah, basically after it's used up all the sugars, right? So like when you have your kombucha, it's pretty unsweet. There's a sweet spot, if you will, uh, in between tasting like tea or tasting like vinegar. And if you get in that sweet spot, it's got almost like a a cider, apple cider kind of taste taste to it. But you can add different flavors when you bottle it. Gotcha. Um, oh, and so by, and by bottling it, you're actually completely halting the process when, in much well, the same way that you, you ref- would with beer. If you refrigerate it, that ends it. 
that'll it goes dormant but if you okay. keep it if you bottle it and keep it out it will still oh. work and i've blown the top off of bottles before <laughs> i'll bet because well because it's just creating like carbon dioxide is the yeah so are yours actually kind of bubbly or no uh, it a depends how long you let it sit, and the, oh. if the weather's warmer, then it carbonates better. It never stays as carbonated as, like, something that was artificially carbonated. Wow. So, after mm. you pop it, it'll be really fizzy, and then you cap it back, and then it won't... I mean, you got to wait a couple days to get that fizz back, but it'll stay a little bit. Keep a little bubbly. Some people like it, some people don't, and I can totally see either way, because usually that mother grows back. After you bottle, it'll start to grow again, it'll get a little film on the top, and that freaks a lot of people out. Well, Tim, thank you for joining me on Champagne is Also a Band podcast and uh, had a great time talking about your song. And I really look forward to seeing what else comes out of Primitive Lights. And Me too. You know, hopefully we get to, you know, experience some uh, new and great and maybe even some more venues that would, would crop up. <laughs> yeah, but, they're, uh, com- they're coming. I have to admit, I, I've enjoyed this... Uh, Maybe too much, this Sydney Dairy Barn uh, <laughs> vanilla ice cream and beer combination. Yeah, this is perfect. That, Thank you. This has um, been great. Woo. Anyway, um, but I appreciate you coming out and talking about your song. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Tim McGee from Primitive Lights reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. so bad oh my god you should have said no i thought it would give it a an extra some interesting energy (laughs) you almost have an npr voice it's so good (laughs) (laughs) on the inside